0: Following a year where the COVID pandemic caused a global recession, but we head into 2021 with good news on vaccines, I think many of you will want to know how the economic recovery takes shape in 2021. To explore this topic and set out our key economic forecast, I'm joined by Michelle Girard and Ross Walker, Global Co-Heads of Economics, and Giovanni Zani, our Chief Euro Area Economist. I think the, the big question that we're trying to to answer ultimately is is whether or not we're entering or or have already entered uh, a new policy paradigm one that's that's very different from uh, what we were used to in the the post 2008 uh, experience and in terms of what we're going to try to cover uh, we are going to try to answer this question of is this uh, a genuine policy paradigm shift. Um, What is it and how do we know? Uh, Then we're going to talk about specifically for the the big countries, uh, what are the the main questions that we need to uh, address around fiscal policy in 2021? Um, We're going to talk a little bit uh, about some of the the interesting supply uh, dimensions uh, that come from fiscal policy and and then we're going to try and, and cover a little bit about what what the role of monetary policy uh is in this this post covid uh, environment so we've got five speakers so michelle Gerard ross walker are our co-heads of global economics Giovanni zani uh is our chief uh, economist for the euro area Blake Gwynn is our, our head of U.s race strategy uh John nervosi um, is the is from our our European rates Strategy team. So before we, we start going into the, the content, I'm going to start with one question for the, the audience. And um, I want to see uh, where you're at uh, in terms of the, the policy paradigm. So if we can put that, uh, the one and only polling question up. So I'll, I'll read it to you. It's a, it's a long question with very simple answers. So, um, the policy mix will be similar. To the post two thousand eight period. In other words, fiscal policy will need to tighten over the next couple of years. Monetary policy will remain the main policy lever. Uh, you strongly agree with that. You agree with it. You have no view. You disagree, or you strongly disagree. It's um, it's evenly split, and I, I'd say that there's maybe a slightly larger amount of you that 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 disagree. And I, I think it's interesting because mm-hmm. it, it, it makes for um, a great debate. So Michelle and Ross, I'm, I'm gonna throw uh, a lot of responsibility uh, on you. We'll start with with Ross first, but I think we're in the uh, the strongly disagree camp. We think this is a, a new policy paradigm. will look substantially different uh, from what we had in, in 2008. So uh, we'll start with Ross. So what is your impression uh, of why we think it's different, how we think it is a new policy paradigm?
1: Well, I think, firstly, the the previous main macroeconomic policy lever, monetary policy in, in its various guises, uh, has lost some, some of its potency. Um, if you think of how QE was uh, described by central banks when they discussed the transmission mechanisms during its first phases back in 2009. It was being uh, explained in terms of lowering risk-free rates, well, very hard to do given current levels of of yields. Um, there was the sort of portfolio rebalancing effect. I mean, it feels like that has, to some extent, largely worked its way through. And by by pushing on, by pushing through that channel, you you maybe store up bigger imbalances. Um, the sort of pure monetary. Um, excess reserves will prompt bank lending channel. Um, That never really seemed to function. And the bank lending surge we've seen this time, I would argue, is really more a reflection of fiscal policy. It reflects um, state support uh, through lending schemes and, of course, um, pretty extensive lending guarantees being provided by the government. So it's really, I think, the lending surge even this time is a fiscal rather than a monetary phenomenon. So the, the traditional monetary... Levers have been less powerful, Uh, but also the 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 COVID recession itself was caused directly by government policies, um, the lockdowns. It wasn't an exogenous shock uh, that governments could uh, distance themselves from. Um, It was a direct um, consequence of government policy, and therefore I think governments felt they had to um, to address that, to counterbalance it, to compensate um, sections of the economy. And the easiest way to do that. Uh, is via fiscal policy. So I think some of the the ideological baggage um, was also ditched. To the, the the sort of the sense that well, we we should have cyclically balanced budgets and we should cap debt to GDP levels. Um, I think some of those those market posts, in any case, have been blown over by uh, the the post- Global financial crisis experience—you know there weren't these tipping points at 90% of GDP or 100% of GDP in terms of debt levels and so on. Um, and finally, I, I think the the electorate's appetite for another round of of austerity just just wasn't there. And the political class—we've um, seen obviously a more febrile political environment in a number of, number of economies. Um, the political class just simply wasn't prepared to to pursue that old orthodoxy. So the net effect of it is that we're it feels like we're, we 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 sort of got in our Doctor Who Tardis and and went back to the 1960s, and here we are with with fiscal policy once again as the the main lever of demand management. We've had, of course, activist fiscal policy for periods before, but never as explicitly uh, as a as as a lever to support demand. And I think that's what's changed. And given the outlook over the next few years, we we don't really see that changing dramatically. That that new philosophy we think is is here to
0: stay. And Michelle, what do you, what do you, what do you think about the, uh, the the policy paradigm and how it's changed? We've you and I have talked about this uh, many many times in, in in the last year.
2: So I'll pick up a little bit on on where Ross had had left off, which is sort of looking forward. I, I think when you talk about the difference now versus the the post global financial crisis period, right. it gets it gets. Back to the idea that there is no political appetite, really, to to reverse course, um, and that's true whether we're talking, I think, on the fiscal or the the monetary front. The, you know, the popular, um, the, the whole thing toward populism is is as Ross says. There's just no tolerance or, or acceptance, uh, I think toward returning to to more austerity. I and mean, let's face it, the cost of such massive fiscal stimulus. Is is very low until policymakers are sort of punished, if you will, with uh, for for the aggressive spending. It's all it's going to be hard to argue against it. I mean, think about we were discussing. You were just saying, Jim, watching this Brookings Institute uh, arguments for for the fact that this is the time policymakers should be borrowing cheaply to 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 more aggressively use fiscal policy. I think on both uh, social and environmental uh, up front. So the fiscal story I think is is very unlikely to reverse course. And then of course you've got the monetary side which is completely different. Remember in the post-global financial crisis period, the the, the minute that we saw the recovery take hold, central banks wanted to get off zero to give themselves ammunition in case things turned down. Um, you know, that's, that's absent now. Uh, and remember people talk about the mistake also made by by The Fed was when policy did very explicitly turn expansive under Trump, the Fed used it to get more aggressive in reversing the monetary uh, lever. So now we've got central banks and again, going to the Fed leading the leading the way very explicitly saying, hey, we are not going to be preemptive. We're not going to raise interest rates because we're worried about the longer term inflationary consequences of higher inflation of keeping the stimulus in place. We're actually going to welcome it. We'll tolerate the overshoot. So um, you know, and then there's, of course, the angle that all the, the QE support for, for allowing fiscal policy to remain in place is another reason to, for policymakers to move slow rather than fast. So it's a completely different environment. I think, as you said, we feel we are definitely in the strongly uh, disagree camp in terms of, uh, of whether the policy paradigm is anywhere close to what it was versus the post-global financial crisis.
0: Yeah, again, I'll just I'll just say I'm I'm surprised by the the normal distribution of the uh, the answers to our our first questions. I'm gonna switch to, to to Ross and and of the of the three largest economies, the the one that seems to to float tightening early is is the UK. So when when Rishi Sunak <coughs> tells us that we should all be looking at tax hikes sometime soon, is this something we should be worrying about or is it just a little bit of red meat to the the, the base, so to speak?
1: Yeah, I I think it's very unlikely that we will see in the UK material tax rises in the next few years. There's clearly a bit of a battle going on at the moment between the Chancellor and the Treasury on the one side who are always more conservative financially uh, and the Prime Minister and others on the other side, who are pushing a more expansionary fiscal policy. Um, typically, in these things, there is only one winner, and, and, and that will, will be extra spending. I, I think the Treasury knows that it's, you know, at least for the next year or so, we're on this sort of ultra-expansionary fiscal setting as they, they set out in the one-year spending review. I think what the Treasury is really just trying to do is, is to sort of rein in expectations about how far this might go in the future. Um, but again, I think it's going to be Politically, a futile exercise because before too long, we will be running into the the pre election period, and you're certainly not going to get any um, meaningful fiscal tightening then. The Conservatives also have some election uh, manifesto commitments not to raise the main income and expenditure taxes. And without putting those taxes up, and, and, and quite significantly, you're just not going to raise much revenue. So, the sort of gesture politics of, for example, things have been trailed, some additional capital gains taxes in reality you you're not going to generate much revenue you will probably antagonize parts of your own electoral base there's really not much point um but what i think is what i think it tells you about the, the the political row that's brewing is there there is a there is a fight over whether in 5 years time uk public expenditure uh is going to be uh you know the low 40s as a percentage of gdp or whether it will feel much more continental, European, Scandinavian, even uh, in in the sort of high forties, maybe even pushing fifty percent. Uh, that for me is the big question in terms of of, of of UK fiscal. Just how high is public spending going to go, and to what extent will taxes rise to partially fund that?
0: Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna switch to Giovanni, who I think has the hardest job on this call because the your your, your task, uh, if you're willing to accept it. Um, is to convince the market that the euro area can deliver fiscal policy. And and, and a- alongside that, convince the market that the recovery fund is real, it's a game changer, and it's going to pass. So I'm going to hand it over to you because I, I think this is probably one of the most important messages we're, we're trying to get across to people for 2021.
3: Okay, so I accept the challenge. Um, and I think it's not that difficult to uh, to prove it. I mean, first of all, with facts, because I mean, if you look at the um, uh, fiscal uh, reaction this year, that the fiscal impulse is not that different from the ones that you had uh, in the U.S. and only slightly smaller than the one in the U.K. and Japan. So it's not that we're not doing uh, anything uh, this year. The second point is that on top of this kind of uh, above the line fiscal expansion you also have like a, a very large financial safety net through uh, you know public uh, guarantees to loans and through uh, tax deferrals that it's not in those numbers but it's more than 20% of gdp so it's like a, an additional guarantee uh, for 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 the economy and the third point is that yes we've created the uh, recovery fund which is 5% of gdp that's also quite large and it's not just for the a kind of cycle for the for the short-term recovery. It's actually for for the long haul and, and maybe that's the other you know key block that it's very important for the euro i mean everything that we've heard from from ross and from michelle about you know general uh reason for a change of uh, paradigm on on the fiscal side it applies especially to europe i mean on the economic side we have like everywhere else, low rates and a, a large output gap, but we also have a very high uh, savings. We have a very large current account surplus. So these are all conditions that are perfect for very high fiscal multiplier and to make uh, fiscal expansion super sustainable uh, in this situation. So that's on the economic side. On the policy side, we had Draghi saying for years that, you know, fiscal policy had to be uh, a continuation of monetary policy. And now with Lagarde, we have all the elements in place for that to happen. That's why they're doing PEP. That's why they're providing support for all this supply that is coming to the government. And that's the explicit reasoning behind what's happening on the monetary policy side. And the third point is politics, which I think is a key trigger and politics uh, by politics i mean you know also brexit also covid but more in general the fact that there has been a realization that we uh, are fighting against a, a populist wave uh, and, and so fiscal policy in that sense is not just uh, a, a, the the popular or populist thing to do is also to fight populism and to get the euro area together and that's why you had for example in germany this this big change of uh, uh, view uh, this year. Um, Schultz, the finance minister, talked about an Hamiltonian moment for, for, for Europe. And for me, that means that you know the fiscal policy is an element of, of this political construct. And it's not just for the short term, for the recovery, but it's something maybe not forever, as we used in our title for the year ahead, but definitely for the next five years uh, as, a, as a time horizon. I hope you
0: enjoyed this episode of On Point. Please do subscribe to our channel to get future episodes and like it as this will help others to find it as well. We also encourage you to follow us on social media to get all our latest content. Speak to you again soon.